All right, we're back here, episode four, late night edition, Friday night edition of the Young Old Heads podcast. I'm your host, Tom. I'm one, I'm one of your hosts, Tommy, aka TV Sports Cards. I'm here with my other co-host, Cards Max. Everyone knows him. You love him, or you absolutely are annoyed by him. It's Cards Max. What's up, dude? You're you almost cut me out of the intro, say, claiming that you know only one host is in this podcast. But I'll remember that slight, and I'll save it uh, for later. I'm doing well. It's a Friday night. We're not a news podcast. We've got so much card news to talk about that there's just so much meat and so much just to get into that. I am beaming with excitement to get into on a. Can you, can you tell the people, night. Max, where you are right now? What's going on? Where are you at? Um, I am in the Charleston Marriott, and whoa, what could I possibly be doing in the Charleston Marriott? Um, I'm graduated from college, and before my graduation, I'm going on tour of the southern east part of the United States with the choir. I'm a singer, I have a soothing baritone voice, and I will put you to sleep at night. Cards Max on tour. That's awesome, dude. I'm excited to hear about this tour, and next week we're going to have to follow up and hear about some of these performances. I'm going to sing many songs. Many songs will be sung. Oh, that's great. Will cards be traded? Will cards be bought on this trip? Probably not. I mean, I've been thinking about a little doing a little sneaky sneak getaway, but I don't know both there's the time and if I can finish like fit some crazy show during a weekend. I feel like that'd be unlikelier than not, but I will dance the dance and attempt it. Yeah. And Max, this actually, I, I wasn't planning on bringing this up, but uh, I kind of wanted to touch on this right now. If you're, if you're down to discuss it, you're a college student or a soon to be former college student who has been collecting throughout your time in school and you've been home and at school, you know, for the majority of that time, kind of going back and forth. How, what are some of the difficulties with collecting in two different zones and two different areas? Um, I'd say the biggest thing is taking my eBay inventory and moving it from New York, which is where I'm from, to North Carolina, which is where I go to, or may soon formally go to college. Um, I drove down initially and I had a large 4,000-ish count box. I just made that, okay, that is all my eBay inventory and that is everything that I want to bring down. Other from that, I have my briefcase with lots of stickers and I use that briefcase for shows. I carry the bigger guns down there and to make sure that's ironclad to me at all times or in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. um, I've been thinking about keeping or I've more actively have kept my higher end items at only alt vault. And this has just been to be immune from address changes and to not have to rely on United States Postal Service forwarding mail. And I, because I'm changing locations so often now, I've just had my PSA orders go to my alt address, which has very low to no insertion fees for graded cards. And that has been my way of managing my traveling and also making sure that there's as less clutter as possible. Yeah, I always think it's interesting your situation because you're kind of like the te you're like the perfect case for the alt vault where like you're moving around a lot. It's kind of ideal for you to not even have to deal with having the cards in your hand, you know? Oh, I'm not that adventurous, but even then, it, it, it adds a, just a little bit of a convenience factor and uh, oh, okay, I really hope I had this $100 card it didn't fall under my bed after I move out. Yeah, do you have any? Can you do you have any horror stories for the people back home? To... <laughs> I mean, I have had a very bad engagement with the United States Postal Service. I have lost my third set of packages in the past two months or so, 
and I might be given USPS a nice little mail theft claim under legitimate reasons. Wow. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll have to follow up on that on a future yes. podcast. Well, sure I, this postal service is not doing me any favors. Exactly. And, you know, your, your cards, Max, you have beef with the postal service, but you also host a weekly space on Twitter, right? I do. Every and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m., although maybe not this Tuesday. I'll try to make it this Tuesday. You got to make it happen. Come on. the people. I got to make it happen. I'll be singing songs. So that might be a direct conflict. Right. But well, as always, the weekly Tuesday space, it's always a fun time. There's always fun bar talk and banter and cardboard talk. Last week, we talked about uncovering collections. You know, what's it like to, you know, have a friend, you know, being the guy, you know, all of us collect, being the guy who knows cards. It's just like, oh, can you take a look at this one? Can you take a look at this card? And what's it like having that sort of perspective? And we also, at the end, I mean, we went on for two or three hours, talked about the importance of museum pieces and when the coolness of the card and the rarity of a card over outdoes any sort of, like a card that just shows up in your hand and it's like all comps go out the window because of how cool it is and how rare it is. Yeah, that I've I've had I feel like everyone's had an experience like that where you come across a card at a show and you're like, I don't know what I don't know what this is worth and I can't really even figure it out too accurately with eBay comps because there's not really anything close, but I just can tell that this is something that I'm not gonna see again. Exactly. If you walk out of the room, you're not gonna see it for another two years. Yeah, and that's kind of how I feel about a lot of like Clay Thompson rookie relics because Something that I love, my favorite fun fact about cards and something that I learned when I got back into it is the fact that the 2011 NBA draft cards all have rookie cards in the 2012-13 product because of the 2011 lockout that pushed, Panini decided to push all rookie cards to 2012-13. And sometimes I'll find people who are posting relics, Clay Thompson rookie card relics that they think are second years because of that weird mix up. And uh, I always try to snatch them up. I especially have had luck with some of these... Uh, multicolored game use patches so those are the types of museum pe- like not i mean they're probably only museum pieces to me but like in my head that's what i, I want you to spill the beans take your heart out on your latest clay thompson pickup my latest one uh let's see latest one was the one that i'm thinking of oh you're thinking all right so me and max have been we've been talking lately about national treasures and i you texted me a thought the other day i think it was about a week ago and you're like Dude, I think low-end National Treasures rookie pat, like RPAs are way too under undervalued. And I'm like, dude, are you reading my mind? Like, I just bought a Clay Thompson National Treasures rookie autograph. I mean, it's a dual autograph with Kent Bazemore, Warriors legend. But uh, I was something that like I never imagined really having in my collection. For me, it's like a big thing to be like, yeah, I have a National Treasures Clay Thompson rookie card. Is kind of like it's a pretty big feeling as a collector. Yeah, maybe it's just my bias, but I just feel like Topps doesn't have, maybe Topps has Sapphire, but Topps doesn't truly have a brand where it's like instant cloud, instant like, oh Lord, this is like a holy grail. And I feel like with Panini, National Treasures is National Treasures. If you're thinking about the most valuable card of a player in existence, it's their vertical National Treasures logo man or RPA. So just digging into that, sure, but like once you get on I mean lower end, meaning lower end players, I mean, I have a few darlings that I like to try to prospect. But when you look at the ceiling, the financial ceiling that some of these out of 99 National Treasure RPAs have and the initial cost being doable, sure, it's not pocket change, but doable to get in as an entry point, 
it's fun to, it's a fun gamble and a way to put your heart on your sleeve saying that you are for a player yeah, and what the main, not many collectors may consider the ceiling is the roof with those you know as they say the ceiling is saturn the ceiling okay the ceiling is saturn astronomy max today astronomy max um no what what are uh, some of the guys that you're talking about though that you've been buying up some uh national treasures of do you care I, I was actively looking at jordan awara of the milwaukee bucks um plays for a strong contending team obviously in the bucks has really had sporadic minutes but with those minutes he has had explosive scoring outbursts he has a few 20 points plus career games and he's definitely shown the flashes of high upside that says oh this can be an nba starter or, oh this could be I'm not going to say upper-level NBA starter considering he is a bench player on a championship team. But he is someone that's like, okay, I was actively looking at his vertical RPA from National Treasures. I backed off a little bit because I saw a few, you know, 12 feedback and zero feedback bidders. But the ending price was, I believe, $330 on it. I didn't win it. But I'm like, even at that, I was like, okay, wow. This is for a player of his upside and for, you know, how few of these cards are available. This is something that I feel like is uncovered just because no one's talking about it. And why would someone talk about it? Cause there's so few of them. Yeah. And it's one of those things where like most collectors are like, Oh, national treasures. I don't even, I'll never get national. Yeah, treasures. exactly. It's, it's too rich for me. I'm never going to afford it. And which yeah. is true for me with 99% of players. Yeah. But like, dude, you, I can buy clay Thompson national treasures, rookie autographs for less than $200. That's like for most people, that's like, if you're into cards at all, like you can like 200 bucks, dude. That's like if you save up your money for a few, like, yeah, that's what you're making, then you're into it. Real brand and possibly like a PC centerpiece, you know, National Treasures, the name speaks for itself. Maybe I don't, I don't like the flawless and the immaculate, the pish and the posh. It's not for me. I want yeah. the treasure chest. I'm Indiana Jones and I'm hunting for autographs. Yeah. And uh, so the moral of the story, I feel like, is like low end national treasures, not as expensive as, as expensive as you might think, and possibly a fun investment, high upside. At the very least, it's more doable than you think it is. Yeah. And uh, here at the Young Old Heads podcast, we like to do something that uh, I feel like isn't really done that often in the world of like card content, which is like compare cross sport products. And I'm going to throw some questions out to you, Max, about it. Why right. is national treasure such like a treasure, <laughs> lack of a better term? Like, why is there way so much clout with national treasures and not with a product, say, Tops Dynasty in baseball? With like, why do not, why don't, why aren't we talking about the Wander Franco logo man auto and we're talking about the 101 platinum paper? I think there's many different elements to this. Um, to attack the first arrowhead. Tops doesn't have a consensus number one national, or maybe now it's growing to be dynasty. But I want to say two to three years ago, there was, I'd say, both lesser interest in baseball logo mans than there is now. And also, you know, you have Tops Dynasty, you have Diamond Icons, you have Tier One, you have Inception, you have the growing presence of Transcendence. There's so many big high end brands that it just dilutes it all. And, you know, I was just making fun of Panini for Flawless Immaculate. I couldn't, as a baseball guy, I could barely tell you the difference between them. But as we're seeing now, the cream is rising and that Dynasty is the number one brand. Why we're talking about the Wander Franco paper, one of one being pulled from Walgreens. Wow, that was this week. Pulling no, it was pulled. not this week. It was not this week. 
dude, that was like two weeks ago. Get up. Where, where is your brain? So much has happened. That was two weeks ago? Well, why are we talking about it, though? Why are we still talking about it? Why am I still bringing it up? April 26th, so just barely last week. April right, 26th. Right. But with that in mind, we're talking about it because I think baseball collectors more strongly gravitate. Maybe it's just your tradition, but the paper card. And look, not to say that people don't love autographs, but when you're opening a pack at Target or your gas station or your local card shop, we're used to paper. I feel like with co- with the post-COVID boom, which brought a lot of people in, is the flashiness, is the chrome, is the logo man's, is the memorabilia. And now we're seeing more and more of that in modern-day national treasures. You're not even guaranteed item from a specific game or player-worn use event, whatever the mumble-jumble legal speech on the back is. It's hard to fall to paper parallel. And when you think of a – I think, honestly, when you think of basketball and football, is there an equivalent to flagship brand or flagship product? No. I think that's like a pretty easy answer. Like as someone, all right, so like as a Clay Thompson collector, I'm constantly looking at the transitional period of NBA products from when Topps had the license and it was kind of a wild west of whoever had it to Panini exclusive. And I kind of am more or less an expert, if you could say, in those years of transition. And it's just a weird time, you know? It's like basketball doesn't have the continuity that baseball does. And that's kind of what I always say to people is like, yeah, the big thing with the continuity, is the continuity. You, have, you have 1952 tops and onwards. Yeah, and One, I collect gold yeah. cups because of continuity. There's more continuity with gold cups than there is with the RC logo. You know, it's stuff like that. And when I look into cards for Clay, I'm like, partially with him, I'm forced to collect weirder things because of the lack of continuity, which is kind of fun. You know, like I can go after like, oh, these one-off kind of weird sets Panini did in 20. 13 14 as opposed to like buster posey i'm like all right i'm consistently going with his photo variation flagship paper cards those are kind of different games for me and it keeps things fresh honestly and it's like i can collect both things in kind of a different way but still get the same sort of enjoyment out of it you get that i think collecting is a healthy medium of of owning and possessing cards who that speak for themselves but also owning cards that are so nuanced and niche and particular that you have to explain the history and the uniqueness behind it in order for people to understand. There's the, you know, LeBron triple logo man speaks for itself. Crazy Clay Thompson rookie card with the transitions of licensing doesn't. No. And that's what, like, I love, you know how much I love telling people about that niche stuff. And it's like, with that weird Panini stuff, I get what I love about finding out stuff about like my non-sports stuff. It's almost a similar sort of thought process I have with it where I'm like, all right, I'm going to search things that are really vague, like 2014 Clay Thompson on eBay and not even give like qualifiers on what I'm looking for and just kind of see what's out there. And that's kind of what I do with non-sports stuff too. I'm like a name and card or something on eBay and just like, let's see what's out there. My favorite thing is just searching by newly listed for a broad, like just, typing in Mike Trout or my favorite Mike Trout SP and just yeah. seeing what the newly listed stuff, what's fresh on the market. And I guess what's in people's hands, that they're willing to move. Yeah. Like something, I, well, I kind of like to do the opposite thing, almost the inverse, which is like search kind of an obscure guy that I loved growing up. Like I always do like CC Sabathia or like, well, CC Sabathia is not obscure. He's going to be a hall of famer, but like Dontrell Willis, he's a better example. Dontrell Willis and JT Snows, two guys I loved growing up. Sometimes I'll just Google just their names on eBay 
and I'll do sold list by sold highest and see like what's the most someone's willing to pay for. Oh, that's funny. Seeing like the grail equivalents of the past three months for a Dontra Willis card. Yeah, for like a dude that's not in the news at all and not someone you would be like, oh, this guy is going to be worth having, hanging on to post-retirement at all. Uh, just kind of a fun thing I do. I have a couple things I want to bring up with you, Max, about this week. I know. One of them, Mr. One Producer, of them. you are fired up with topics to discuss. Dude, I am fired up. We haven't even hit the actual news that happened today. So real quick. Can you break down the Montgomery Club drama for the people? So today, um, out of almost complete nowhere and no warning, Tops dropped Formula One Sapphire, Tops Formula One Sapphire Edition on Italy, Tops Italy, Tops UK, Tops Germany, Tops Spain. I don't think I'm missing one, Tops France. All of so how this usually works with F1 and soccer products, they hit the Europe sites first and then it'll come to the US. So I want to say at about 11 30, 11. Can you buy can we buy stuff from those stores in like the tops France? Could I go on topsfrance.com and buy stuff? Can I do that? You can. Um, only Spain requires a reshipper, to my knowledge. I think there might be one more, but top Spain requires a reshipper. Okay. Um, you can. Um, I attempted uh, real life, both in studying for a physics final exam, as well as having a professor interrupt me asking for a farewell selfie before I graduate. That halted my efforts of securing a sapphire box earlier today. And then after that, after I let's say, you know, 11, 10, 11, 30, U.S. was expected to drop because it's usually the same day, the F1 sapphire boxes. Mm-hmm. First thing to mention is that on the United States, I really wish I knew this number perfectly. I want to say it was seven hundred dollars retail. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have these numbers. Dude. It was either seven hundred dollars retail or eight hundred dollars retail, which is significantly higher. I want to say seven times higher than the price of a F one Sapphire box last year. Normally, we don't see tops respond so starkingly in a year to year change, but I think with the F one market, it was expected at least somewhat, given just how meteoric the rise was and that Topps doesn't want to leave stuff on the table. So not only was the boxes seven times more expensive than what they were last year, this was, ended up not being a Montgomery Club presale item. Topps made Bowman Hobby Boxes Montgomery Club presale allowable before Bowman's release day, but with the biggest and most highly anticipated product of the year, regardless of what sport you follow, for flipping, for collecting, otherwise, these were generally not falling into the collector's hands with the United States drop. Yeah, and I think what most people were mad about is just the fact that they paid money and were kind of under this assumption that they were getting this exclusive access to all Sapphire products across the board. And now it seems like this just didn't happen. And Exactly. Um, club memberships for new members entering this year was $600 plus tax. And um, for a lot of people, they were getting it because for the past year or so, baseball products haven't been going out of stock in Montgomery Club presale, or they haven't been a battle with bots or scalpers or flippers. It's been mostly after soccer and Formula One, with Formula One having two products per year. You know, everyone loves Sapphire. And 
with Montgomery Club giving people at least a little bit of a time to be able to buy it and not have to worry about the general public, people felt betrayed. People felt that they weren't getting their money's worth. I've seen chargeback rumors, people taking it this, you know, to court, you know, or at least talking about taking it to legal action. Can I uh, read you a tweet from today? Read me. From a friend of the podcast, a guy we hope to have on one day, Ryan Cracknell. Cracknell? Whatever. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his last name. But why is there? What'd you say? One of the wisest men out there. Uh, the wisest men, uh, certified, certified best follow on Twitter. Um, he tweeted, if you're mad at a company, but then turn around and give them your money, the company wins. This is true. Because um, for a lot of people, and what I've been, you know, I tweeted satirically late, low, late this past evening that I'll buy Montgomery Club memberships on the secondary market if you subtract uh, at cost and if you subtract how much people profited from Top Series 1 First Edition. A lot of people are, you know, upset, crying wolf, or some people are, you know, F1 collectors. For people that legitimately want, are F1 collectors and wanting to get this box, I do have empathy. That is not most people, but I do have empathy for that collector base that thought that they were buying an exclusive pass to be able to buy their item directly from Tops. And honestly, I I know that all right, this is something that I've been thinking about. Just like you personally know a lot of F1 collectors, I would say F1 in general is not a mass, massively popular product. I will it say is, in the, well, the biggest thing is it's not a United States sport. The United States has one team and zero drivers. This is a product geared for international releases. Yeah. And that's why international releases get so international tops websites get so much more tops has decided to give it so much more allocation. Yeah. And I'm just going to do another of our famous cross board analysis here. It's what I'm going to compare the F1 market to is a mixture of the golf card market and the soccer card market. You get the, the international aspect of it where it's not quite exactly how like a baseball, the baseball card market works, but it's also the individual aspect of golf where you can get you know, it's very specific to players where individual guys get hot, individual guys win week to week. There's weekly events that are around the world. What are your thoughts, Max? Can you do you buy in on that cross-sport comparison? I think there's faith both in because I mean, with F1, it's not even just all driver performance related because you can have a very bad car but perform well relative to the car. So there's an element of prospecting. But at the end of the day, if you're chasing the world champion, you know that it's only going to come from one of three teams. It's going to be Mercedes, or at least for this year, generally. It's going to be Mercedes, it's going to be Red Bull, or it's going to be Ferrari. But all everything else is prospecting both on the outlook of other teams and the outlook of drivers performing well for those teams and possibly transferring. Yeah, so it's more like soccer probably than golf. I think the, the soccer thing with like, Holland isn't going to win the Champions League, but he's still, you know, the hottest prospect in soccer, and he's going to probably move up and play for. Talents wins, talents can transfer. I mean, with Holland specifically, there is a bit of a dampening due to him not going to play in as many World Cups in his career as someone from a better country. But prospecting is fun, looking for talent is fun, and owning rookie cards of players before they're big and talented and whatever—that's fun, and that's what collecting is. Yeah, that's what collecting is all about. And I'm going to, all right, I'm going to, let's talk about something for a second about. Um, let's talk. Let's talk about cards and et cetera cards. You know how cards are? 
You like cards? I like cards. <laughs> That's what me and Max like to text each other sometimes. Sorry for this random side bit, but I'll just text what, Max. What's the side bit? Cards? Cards? Oh. Just cards. Cards, cards, cards. Max, do you have any uh, shout-outs you want to give out to people this week? I want to especially shout-out to Gabe. Gabe, Gabe oh, Cardstacks. You took mine simply because that he is a – at Gabe Cardstacks on Twitter is a self-proclaimed student of Cards University. And that is the mentality that I have with collecting, always learning, always learning for myself and my own mistakes, but also digging into what other people both enjoy, how other people flip or make money, you know, seeing how every card has a value, has an inherent value, depend no matter how small or how big it is, that's always fun to poke at. Yeah. Do you have any cards this week that you found out have value that you weren't didn't know about before this week? I have a few that I wanted to bring up this week uh, that I looked into this week. Uh, I didn't have any in particular um, on Diamonds in the Rough, but I did go on a tiny binge, or not, not a tiny binge. I was having a lot of fun looking at opening day, very tops opening days, image variations. To those that don't know, it's definitely very particular. Um, as of this year, there's the general short prints that are with, and the short prints are cool looking cards. I cannot emphasize this enough. The best looking image variations for tops flagship each year is from opening day. I know the primary short print has a print run of 250 copies, which relative to primary flagship, that's SSP level type of print run. SSPs, I believe, had a print run about in the three to four hundreds. With opening day, the main short print is about 250 copies. And then the dugout peaks, you know, short print, which is also maintains the same framework as a base card, but just looks like an image variation. Yeah, you know, looks, you know, is an, is an insert set though. Has a hundred copies for this year. And that is very, very low. Wander Franco has two. I mean, of course, he has the two big images of this. There, the one, the 250 copies is him blowing a piece of bubble gum at the plate. You gotta just look this up. People gotta look this one up. It's it's it, the coolest card. It is it, if I was gonna get one, one wander card, it would be that one. It's a very good-looking card, and the only reason why I don't own copies of it is because I worry from a financial standpoint that people are going to forget. Uh, my one gripe with Wander's Dugout Peaks is that it is horizontal, and it's rare. I don't think it's as cool. No, but with that in mind, um, I was looking at older years, you know, because we're now we're at May 6th. We're a month from opening day. Most of it has been opened or will be opened, or it's not as hot anymore. So I'm looking at eBay. I'm trying to find people, you know, the high price first J premium is gone, but I've noticed either, even, you know, I picked up a very cool 2019 Mike Trout dugout peaks, dugout peaks. It is him kneeling with a bat in front of the dugout. It's really cool. And if you want to be a degenerate gambler, of course, with these pro, low print run, low print runs, not only is the PSA population for gen tens very low, but the quality control on opening day is always terrible. Off-center, miscuts. There's just not a lot of quality control in this product relative to the other Toss products. So it's something fun to gamble on. These are cool cards, and it's something that I'm buying for fun, yeah. for value, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, as you were you saying. Know, you know, all right, so op me and opening day go way back. I was opening 2003 Tops opening day cards, opening up throughout my childhood. I never pulled any of these because these started post my time. I did pull a printing plate from opening day once. That is like beyond the odds. But um, what I, have you ever pulled? 
Just that one. Just, just an opening. One. Just a, a Kelvin Escobar uh, Angels pitcher printing plate 2005 upper deck. Or would 2005. That's it. No, I said, would you ever move it? Oh, I it's long gone. I gave it. I had traded it to an Angels collector. I don't mind. Dude, come on! I don't need that. I have, I have, I have I, one. I am not to, not to flex on the people. I have, I have twenty dollars. My only one of one is Estuary Ruiz from twenty nineteen Bowman Draft. It is a non first black paper parallel one of one. It was from my local card shop. I believe it was a. It was from a jumbo pack, and I believe I could be wrong on this. I think odds of that was like one in. 5,000 packs or is it 50,000? But I'm just going to say 5,000. And I sent it out in a PSA bulk sub. I was thrilled that it got a PSA 8. And that is one that I am keeping. That is my, I'm probably knowing my luck. I'm never hitting a 101 again. I was shocked when I hit that. And that's going to be in my collection forever. So I can't say shame on you because your cards, your collection, and trading away a pack pulled one of one that you got. But I guess we just have different philosophies there. Yeah, I want to. I all right. So this is what happened. This is like one of the first dudes I met on Twitter, Jeff Westmoreland, and he's a good guy. And he uh, is a huge Angels fan. And I like, we were DMing a bunch, and I had just got back into cards, and we were just talking about. It. And I was like, dude, like, I really needed money at the time, and I was like, I don't even really need to sell this to you. I'm just gonna give it to you. He bought like ten bucks worth of cards for me, and I threw it in with his order because I was just that's, trying to be nice. That's and honestly, like. It's more funny to me to be. It's more fun for me to be like, "Yo, it, you want to know what the only pretty, only one on one I pulled was opening day two thousand five. Usually people people get a kick out of that. I don't even really need to have the card. It's just yeah. a funny anecdote. It's true. It, it's a fun memory, and that's the most important part. I'm sure from an odds standpoint, I mean, two thousand five opening day probably was not a highly printed product, and even then, there's not many hits, or very least serial numbered hits. Or oh, I didn't. Also, like this is just another thing. Like I didn't know what I got, so like when I pulled it. I didn't know it was a one-on-one. Oh, I found true. out I mean, it was a one-on-one like two years ago. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, so like it wasn't the same experience. Oh, why, why, is this, why is this metal card heavier? I Dude, I probably didn't even think about it. Like I had that. I was just like anything thick was dope. Uh, that was everything went in binders for me, dude. I was like, all right, you want to get you want to you want to some yeah. weird shit about no, how I approached cards when I was a kid. This was like this is like some alien thought process with cards. I was like, all right, everything Everything that's thick is the best card. Anything shiny is whack. Shiny is cheap. That's what my thought process was as a child. Crazy thought process. I like told my not, dad not to buy any chrome, basically. So that was terrible decision making. But the other thought process was anything where a guy's stats didn't show at least one full season, full season, meant it was a rookie card. So that meant 2012 Trout base card, rookie card. That meant like... LeBron James SI Kids High School card better than the LeBron James Tops rookie card due to it being earlier. And that was my whole thought process. I didn't, I had like a Beckett price guide that my dad bought me probably in like 2005. And I was like, oh, my cards are worth like $0. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm just never going to check the values again. And I never did really until like a few years ago. I'm trying to avoid the pun as much as possible, but it is an unadulterated way of viewing collecting. You don't have social media. You don't have outside influences telling you how to collect or let alone what contributes to value, what contributes to an earlier career card. And it's significant. What is it? You know, 
not value. What is a more significant card? And the way that we have this thought process in our own head saying, no, this is more significant than that because of the high school stats in the back. Yeah. And I love that. I have, we have a similar thought process with this, I think, because independently we've both come to this understanding that like the earlier card is cooler. You person, you want to talk about this in another time, but just touch on it for a sec. Why you like minor league cards, minor league team issues. I was about to get into minor league cards, even if you weren't going to prompt me on that. So what I don't like, and I recognize this when I got back into collecting as a young adult, I want to say when I was 19 or 20, is that this was an in particularly strong with a player like George Valera, who I want to say is in double or triple A now with the Indians, a surefire top 100 prospect. And he's someone that I wanted to buy since 2019. And he's just now being released in 2022 Bowman. And the reason that one didn't happen is because the agent had disagreements with tops and, you know, the agent wanted a higher price for Valera's signature, but ultimately highlighting that whenever a player, when a player is entered into a Bowman product, it's an airbrushed logo and it's arbitrary and it's entirely in Topps' control. I'm going to dig into the nitty gritty. Let's get into like stadium club team sets. And I'm looking through my Yankees and I'm like, okay, who are some cool guys that I can go after? Okay, Glaber Torres has an Iowa Cubs card from 2015. And aside from Elite Extra Edition, which, I mean, there's no logos in there. Or, yeah, there's no logos because it's Benini. So this shout is about Elite Extra Edition, though. Just shout, shout out to Elite Extra, yeah, Extra Edition because that is a true collector, diehard prospect product. If you are into that, you are into that. That is a more, more often than not, at least credit to that product for having players in as soon as they sign their international signings. I love chasing my PC guys, Elite Extra Edition first cards. Those are like searching for Buster Posey Elite Extra Edition 2008 cards. That's that's my shit. That's my shit. Oh, I I think I want to say, I mean, I know it's a joke. Oh, I pulled this from a Walgreens pack. But I think in like 2019, I opened a Walgreens hanger and it was like a Charlie Blackman Elite Extra Edition base. And I was like, dude, this is so sick. This is like pre, this is probably like his first card ever. And I Googled it and it's like five bucks. And I'm like, sweet. That means the packs of break even. Dude. All right. On the Young Old Heads podcast, we have nothing but respect for Walgreens hangers and all products that Walgreens puts out. Walgreens is for the people, for the people. And that's what we are for. I don't like it when they charge above suggested what used to be suggested retail price. And I don't know if it's geographical bias because most of these repacks are are Fairfield company. And part of the... I don't know. Do you get Fairfield com- Company out in Chicago and out, out west yeah. in California? Yeah, yeah, we do. Okay, it's not just a northeast thing. No. Okay, whatever. But I would think Fairfield would be based in Fairfield, Connecticut. Maybe they are. But regardless, um, I thought the cooler packs were the ones of that they have two or so mystery packs inside of a certain yeah. product. Whether that's they are better. 2019 Series 1, Allen and Ginter, you know, whatever, you know, archives even though archives isn't that cool blast from you know mixing up some different years and not always you know usually there's a junk wax card junk wax pack in there but it's like okay i don't have to drive half an hour to target i don't have to camp out you know camping out in target was fun that's my hot take you did that you did oh yeah i was a big proponent of that oh my god dude of course i was no yeah i'm I'm a nitty-gritty i'm a little you know i'll I'll, I'll meander I'll, i'll munch no, I mean, 
No, should I talk about Target? Target's right. No, no, you didn't finish your thought about the I didn't, I didn't finish my first thought. You, you finished, but you stopped me. You know, 2015, 2014, car, you know, if a card is from, you know, a pack is from several years early, it's on clearance. And I just thought it was kind of cool because, like, dude, that pack is, like, three years old. That's three years older than the new one. I want to go get that one. So you do get a little bit of taste of, even though, you know, the value is a killer, it sometimes makes for a fun collecting experience. And that's one of, that's not knowing what you get is part of not knowing what you get. Yeah. And also just like touching on the minor league card thing, like it's yeah. just another thing to collect that's unique and cool and like is very condition sensitive as you like. You know, it's like these are given out at minor league games to as promotional things. Yeah. Or in the team shop, you know, you pay yeah. 10 bucks to get. And I remember I went to like the Pawtucket socks and it's like yep you buy the pack of 30 and there is like a second year runzy castillo card in it and i'm like sweet i guess let's let's get into it but i like that also there's like a more clear cut at least from my collecting significance scale there's more clear cutness and like okay well i'd rather have like a single a card than a triple a card because that's newer i mean excuse me, that's older that's harder to find the player and fundamentally the player was appreciated or less heralded at a lower level therefore less of its cards were likely preserved therefore making the card even more special if if baseball was soccer would that would that single a card rookie rookie ball team card be the best card potentially potentially yes i like the way that soccer collectors do things or at the very least this new wave of soccer collectors because with i mean holland is a very interesting and easy to talk about example you have tops putting and you know tops and panini putting a rookie card logo on his final cards that were ever produced by both companies i want to say in panini immaculate which has a rookie card shield as as well as tops uefa champions league sapphire both have rookie card logos both are with holland's second team and both are after that season had already ended but when you look at, you know, also big thing with soccer, stickers, way more important at an international scale, way more easy to produce. And therefore, if it's easier to produce, you can do it while a player is not as important and less nationally well-known. There's the sticker versus card debate. I know with Holland, the foosball sticker is the biggest thing. And it's the biggest thing because it was first, you know, it was first by a good bit. Yeah, and that's that's another thing why you like what you bring up with, non-sports cards and i think this is the topic i kind of want to transition to end on if you're down i've been looking into childish gambino slash donald glover rookie cards this week yes and my challenge of that you know donald glover is esteemed in many different acting singing obviously music most Um, probably the most respected guy between us we we love donald glover we we Come on the podcast, Donald Glover. I, I like because of the internet. I like his music. It's good music. I, I'm i a very harsh critter, critic of music. Maybe that's its own segment, but I'm okay with Donald Glover. Yeah. All right. Well, but, but part of the challenge of that in that, you know, was, okay, Donald Glover has done so many things. I'm like, okay, does he have cards with 30 Rock? Does he have cards with his sketch group, Derek Comedy, from when he was in NYU? I, was, I wanted to push the boundary because uh, what was the card that you were getting? I know I want to say it was a 2018 card. Yeah, it's 2018. It's from the solo Star Wars movie that he's Lando Calrissian. So it's Lando Calrissian 
but it's like John Wood Glover as Lando Calrissian cards. Those are the ones. And the instant thought of when you shared that to me was like, okay, 2018, that's pretty new. Like, how far can you push back in Donald Glover's career? Yeah, but guess what, dude? There's a top minus super fractured Lando Calrissian Donald Glover card. There's a super fractured. Next, you're going to tell me there's a Pete Buttigieg printing plate, one of one. No, but dude, think about it. uh, You can't hate on the super fractured as an option. Super, we've discussed this back on episode two when we were talking about the premier rookie cards and the cards that speak for themselves. Yeah, the super factor is the number one rookie card, and even if it's a non sport card, you see it, you drop an awe. Panini tries to copycat it with gold vinyls. Yeah, uh, I would be very interested in seeing how much that Donald Glover super factor is worth. Yeah, and uh, another guy that uh, I was buying cards of this week. Well, first of all, sorry, you sidetracked me. Your gold vinyl thing, you got you to gotta watch the LEDX. Go to LEDX uh, on social media at the real LEDX and watch the uh, reel from this week about the gold vinyl Tim Anderson that we had in the office. It was pretty That one is worth watching. As um, a non-LEDX employee, that one is worth watching. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, but going back to rookie cards and such of the of, uh, non-sport stuff so like i was buying a similar one i bought a card this week that i have not told you about i don't think and it's gonna i bought it from a future guest of the podcast uh, playboy cards on twitter and future instagram did I, did I tell you this did i tell you about this card that i bought from him though um i don't think so i know okay. he have great cards and this is this touches on like all right for non-sports cards even if it's not necessarily their first card but if it's their first sick card like very cool like parallel type card and it takes precedent. It is. I bought a Killmonger Michael B. Jordan PMG from 27, 20. I don't. I don't remember the year, but I bought it from him, and it was less than or 2007, or like 2017. I don't know if you were saying 2017 and just said 27. Oh, did I say 27? I'm 2017. Is what I meant. Okay, yeah, you just said 27. I didn't know if you meant 2007. No, no, Michael B. Jordan was not getting Killmonger PMGs in 2007, unfortunately. So what? And now you're begging the question, what is his first card? I don't, I, I honestly, I, wish, like, I, I it? think it is. I think that might be his, or like it's a Killmonger card. Of some sort. But I mean, precious metal gems are big cards with a big brand and a lot of big clout. Yeah. And that's like a thing where even if someone has, let's say an SI Kids rookie card from two years before for Chloe Kim's a good example and Goodwin Champions right now. And uh, Michaela Schifrin, the skier, yeah. she's the goat skier for women. Uh, she has cards in Goodwin Champions this year where she has like RPAs, rookie patch autos, and like exquisite stuff in there. And she has cards before they're in SI Kids, but like those nice premium pack pulled cards are going to be her main attractive cards going forward, regardless. Absolutely. I Part of the scary thing is that, it, especially with, you know, marketing, there it is a bit arbitrary. Like for Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the, the Bumblebee. University of Miami football card is seen as the rookie card, even though it's not affiliated with WWE. It's I don't know the original distribution of the card. Do you? Can you? Uh, fill it's like that? definitely like a Miami like uh, program or something. Yeah, I think it had out of your booster or something. Yeah, it was some. I know. I think that was with the autograph cards. I'm not even sure with the base, but. Whatever. There's definitely viewers that are way more knowledgeable in this than I do. I don't collect. We'll, we'll have on some non-sport experts, or not not non-sport, but like the experts in this topic. Yes, but I point being, 
it's arbitrary on what cards from a lower brand are or earlier brand are seen as significant and which ones are just ignored and outcasted. Yeah. And well, I mean, I think we talked about a few good like test cases of that, but uh, what did do you want to go through your recent buys on eBay before we close it up here? Yeah, it's not many. Um, actually, I think in the past, I have two recently. It was the aforementioned 2019 Mike Trout dugout peaks. Mm-hmm. I got it for way lower than my maximum bid. So I'm happy about that. Nice. It's a cool looking card. I am unofficially starting to trend being PC Trout. So People are tagging you on trout cards on Twitter now. As yeah, like, I the trout you buy trout cards. I like, I'm pro baseball cards, and Mike Trout is the face of baseball cards, and he's the face of baseball, and he's going to be the face of baseball for several years. I actually got a trout card added into my trade with my guy, Andrew. Uh, I got a chrome gold cup in route now. You Just need to share all the knickknacks that you have because it's too many and in too many different domains to keep track of. What all my collections? One day we'll do an hour-long pod where I just list off all the different yes. PCs I have, and then people will fall asleep listening. Well, a bonus episode for the boosters. Yeah. And the only other item that I bought in the past week was tonight. I was on the bus to Charleston, South Carolina. I am searching BGS nine fives auctions ending soonest. I see a T- Fernando Tatis Jr. X Fractor BGS nine five. No subs. I quickly check comps. I go for the bid. I get it. And I'll see if this is a crack candidate because that's what's been my cup of tea lately. I'm not unique in cracking BGS 9.5s, opening for PSA 10s. But the margins are there. It's something for me to do. And when I get home in New York, there's going to be a nice pack, nice BGS 9.5 subless Fernando Tatis waiting for me in my mailbox. That's awesome. Nice commencement present to myself. I love seeing the progression, dude, where you're trusting yourself more with, like, what you're doing. And I I love to see it. Because, like, whatever, six months ago, you probably wouldn't be doing that, would you? I both don't know if I would have grown enough for the capital to where I would have been fine holding that stuff up. I don't – I mean, because, look, I've had some pretty bad cracks. Everyone knows my CSG 9. You're literally famous for the bad crap. My CSG 9.5 to PSA 3 Juan Soto Gold crossover. Um, the card was not damaged during the cross, but that's demoralizing to anyone. And I, I picked myself up. I'm still Dude. trusting. You know, it's part of the fun. No, you. if anything, that's just part of your origin story now of like being the a collector. story or the hero? That's you, they say you either die die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain, Max. That's what they say. They do. Uh, what are your recent eBay buys? Uh, just a bunch of Donald Glover. I bought a, a 2010 11 Donruss fans of the game Justin Bieber card from a hockey okay. release. Doesn't Justin Bieber have his own set? Yeah, he has his own set, but I think that this card is his first, like, insert in a sports set. Okay. Which, all right, weird side note, as, like, a non-sports card collector, I love collecting the fans of the game cards that they've put out throughout a bunch of different sets and series and different companies have put out different variations of the same sort of thing, where it's, like, a celebrity fan of a team, and it's an insert in a set. Um, I love doing stuff like that, like the Michael Phelps 2004 uh is a sneaky first autograph is a fans mm-hmm. of the game in a 
and a football product and actually has a Ravens logo on the card. He has an SI Kids and he has actually like an international release as well from before 2004. But um, in terms of pack pulled autos, there's actually, I mean, the first one goes for like less than $1,000. This is one of the greatest athletes of all time. His first pack pulled auto goes for less than a grand. It's like, does that make sense? I don't really know. That was just kind of a random tangent, but like that's a card I think that's like, that's a five figure card in my book. Like if the cards that are going for five figures, like you're getting like museum relics with no game associated with them, you know? Exactly. It's just what, you know, it speaks to what is something viewed as a commodity and what is used as something as something that's staying in a collection. Yeah. And that's my whole thing with non-sports cards. It's like, what are these things? What are these people and like, celebrities and politicians and just general figures historical figures who have rookie cards out there and no one's looking and like you can buy them for possibly less than a hundred dollars i agree that is fun it's fun it's fun lately as well yeah and the problem that you have with it and the problem that's very legitimate is like there's no continuity and there's no like I could present you with a bunch of random non-sports cards and you wouldn't necessarily know how they all fit. I'm fine with no continuity. It just has to make sense. Or the very, you know, just because I brought it up with chess, I want to say some of the grandmasters are individually licensed with Upper Deck and Goodwin Champions, which is why there is no license. I mean, some of these, you know, but it's chess. Not every, you know, sports card product is reaching out to sign a chess player. I think it's sporadic. Yeah, it's golf's honestly similar in like the 2010s where like some guys still don't have rookie cards that have won majors and like Jason Day was like number one player in the world for a year and his only card ever made ever made was a SI Kids card and it's like a dude that if you followed golf at all in that time period he was like the hottest guy he was the hottest prospect he was like 19 20 year old guy like breaking it on tour it's like the fact that they never capitalized on that and created like a young guns of golf for upper deck is something that I've constantly been, I'm maybe one of the few people in the world that are annoyed about this, but like the fact that they didn't continue that past 2001, the young guns rookie cards for golf. I, it just, uh, this is my first time hearing that young guns rookie cards existed for golf. Yeah. And they do, but they're like, there's not a tiger a young gun, you know, there's like, important guys who don't have them phil mickelson's a guy who didn't get a card until his like 13th year on the tour this is i don't know how many people are that interested in my golf rants but like golf is the weirdest one in terms of rookie cards and the most comparable to like non-sports stuff because of how weird it is in terms of like releases and stuff yeah i agree and i'm gonna stop boring you max do you have anything else you want to talk about dude before we finish this is good to see you no um I enjoyed going so into so many little nitty gritty things that we didn't even touch some of the biggest headlines and cards today. Yeah, we started off this pod saying, yo, there's a bunch of news, we got to talk about it. And then the person you barely talk about it. <laughs> oh, dude, that's why I love talking. But about we're, picking, we're picking at each other's brains and bouncing ideas off. Yeah, I, I, I kind of hit you with these cross-sport analysis that I kind of made you go into. So that's oh, I love them both. I know you love those. So, uh, uh, yeah, I I think there will be cards in our future. Um, everyone should go. Can I, I'm gonna do real quick. Everyone go to ledx.com, L-U-D-E-X.com. I would I work for that company. We're a startup in the hobby, and I wrote a lot of the website. And I'm just really proud of how it turned out. And I want people to find out about what we're doing. It's all about 
given more tools to people and who are trying to get into cards and also people that are into cards and helping them, you know, with their collections and figuring out what you have and uh, being able to take it with you in more places, lowering the barrier for entry and increasing, you know, lowering something that you talk about, Max, which is like how hard it is to liquidate your assets and cards, make it easier for that. Agreed. And other things that I want to plug are Max's space on Tuesday nights, which might not happen this week. I'll try to get it done, but I'm not optimistic. Might have a reschedule. Follow at CardsMax on Twitter for updates. Yeah, CardsMax. Uh, Card Max is a brand. Well. I want to give a shout out to a, a good friend of the pod, Charles LeBange, who's going to be uh, creating a logo for the pod this week. And uh, we're really excited about how that's going to turn out. So stay tuned for merch, for Young Old Heads merch and stickers. And so shout out Charles for that. Uh, you can find me at TV Sports Cards on Twitter and at tv.sportscards on Instagram. Uh, I'm going to be starting making Sporkle quizzes for based around cards. So follow me, TV Sports Cards on Sporkle, uh, if you if you know what's up. Yeah, okay, totally not feasting for clout there. <laughs> Wait, how many different platforms can I promote our, myself on, Max, before the end of the VOD? That's the goal. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do you have an Etsy? Nah, I mean, you could plug your eBay store. Do you have anything? Do you have any auctions yeah, ending this week? Etsy. That's not, you know, do you have a, you know, a Pinterest you can plug? No, wait, I actually, this actually could be cool though. You should say what like eBay auctions you have or like stuff you have up for sale on your eBay. Um, My eBay and my slabs are both on vacation mode because I'm traveling. All right, well, that makes sense. You can't, but, you, yeah. Max can't truly do like a fun segment though. What am I auctioning right now? Yeah, cards max auctions. Yeah, <laughs> how much? Where? What cards is Max gonna lose yeah. money on this week? Is is Tommy gonna gonna flip a card? Yeah, I actually admitted to the timeline for the first time today that I flipped my some Jordan Pool cards, and people were really accepting of it, and I appreciated it because I didn't flip them for dirty greed. I flipped them for the good of the hobby. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, I love anyone who's flipping cards for money. I don't else, think I do it. And I just buy another card to care. What you say? I don't think anyone keeps track and pocket watches other people's flips for them to care. Yeah, it's the whole like people. you're the center of your own universe. No yeah. one else cares what you're doing. Yeah, I'm the main character in mine, and you're the main character in yours. But I do. I will say that I I do love watching people's collections grow on Twitter. Like uh, the shy socks, shy collect, shy card collector, or whatever. The guy who has the White Sox cards, Kevin. He's a great guy. He like I remember I followed him before he had really any cards, and now this dude has like one of the coolest white Sox card white Sox collections i've ever seen it's like it's cool seeing that growth from it's like cool seeing someone build a collection and post it like throughout the weeks agree grow you have, grow, any, grow. You, have any, you have any guys like that that you've seen on twitter who like you you remember them seeing out like really young like really start out small and grow pretty quickly none that i haven't already shouted out i'm trying to think i can't just shout at the same people all the time no don't shout at the same people all the time no. Uh, I'm gonna give a, one one shout out. I want to give to is the guy Harris HTV something cards. Oh, um, how do you know about Harris? Yeah, I don't Harris I is a great guy. much, but I do like I do have respect for Harris. No, Harris is a great guy, and I like saw today Harris posted like a picture of like his case, and I was like, "Damn, Harris, that's like a dank case, dude." Like I feel like we, me and him, kind of started at similar, like really kind of like not much nice stuff. And now it's like, oh, I see him posting like some pretty sweet slabs. I'm getting in stuff every day that like. I couldn't really imagine having before. It's fun growing in cards, dude. I love cards. I love cards. <laughs> I fucking love cards. All right. Well, this was a fun this week. And, you know, people don't know, but it's it's Friday night at 11. Max, it's actually Saturday morning now. It's 12.18 a.m. 
I've got to be up for choir singing at the church at 1030 and then call is 940. And that's why, you know, we're, we're the old, we're old heads at heart, but we're still young. We can still do this at night. No, we're going crazy in Atlantic City. Heck yeah. Stay tuned. (laughs) Young old heads, young old heads podcast in Atlantic City coming this summer. All right. Everyone stay safe. Stay ripping those cards that are in your closet that are sealed. Rip them, please, this week.